so knowing your company, knowing your hiring managers, um, having hired for them before, knowing the personas of the people that are top performers on their team goes a long way. Today we get to speak with Saad Reza. He's the reason I've been part of the team Velocipede and rode my road bike over 1500 miles in the better part of 2017. I was introduced to him as a cyclist back in 2016 and we've been friends ever since. Saad is a go-to mentor and facilitator to all things cycling and family meetups. He talks about his love and passion for cycling over the years, from BMX to mountain biking to road and gravel. Then we jump in to talk about his profession as a recruiter and in human resources. Being an extrovert, he keeps connected to the folks he recruited over a decade ago and is really good at connecting and building relationships. So let's listen in to this conversation between friends. Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. We're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life. We want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. Saad, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, man. I've been doing it for a while, and uh, it's uh, been a long time coming, so yeah. Uh, we've been talking about getting you on the podcast for like a year and a half. That well, so I think it's really cool to bring you on because we we've um, we've been friends for about what four years, five years now. Yeah, and you know we we met through cycling, and it was really fun. Like uh, I think as it, it was our wives that got us, got us connected. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, my husband's into biking. Is your husband into biking? <laughs> you guys should meet. <laughs> But yeah. it was, uh, it's been pretty fun, you know, knowing you, connecting with you and, you know, learning about you. And um, it's uh, it's been pretty awesome. And I think you bring a lot of a lot of information and a lot of knowledge in, in cycling. And I think we've gr- both kind of grown in that process of learning about bikes. And you're probably a year ahead of me. And you probably bought more bikes after <laughs> the first one. I'm still on my first bike. Actually, technically, it's my second bike because <laughs> the first bike was my was my, uh, was my mountain bike, and the second bike is my was a TT bike that I returned, and then so my road bike that I currently have from 2014. It's a 2014 model. Uh, it's, it's been doing, it's, it's done me good. It's done me good for sure. I think I'm on my, maybe my sixth or seventh bike now. So gotten <laughs> into different realms and different trends and, you know, went from mechanical rim brake to electronic shifting disc brakes, oh, gravel bikes, you know, so getting into like different disciplines of cycling, you know, started off mountain biking and then got into road. Mm-hmm. And now gravel is kind of the big thing, right? So, yeah, um, you know, a lot of uh, gravel and like, you know, getting on the off-beaten path around, uh, you know, the sticks where I live now. So, um, you know, it, it, it's it, it's fun, you know, it's just uh, I'm getting out to nature and um, kind of that's my, you know, just always just been my release. But um, that's you true. Know, just, uh, 
paths I haven't traveled on before. You know what's funny is that I, everyone wants to know I'll are now that it's warm out, everybody's out riding, and I'm like, why are you riding in the hot? You'd be riding in the cold because because you're gonna get hotter. And like I go out there and it's humid. I'm like, I don't want to be riding in this weather. But I remember that we we used to go out and ride at like six a.m. in the morning when when it's still nice and cold, or nice and bearable for sure yeah and our team i mean we've gone from one extreme to the other right so like from single digits like eight nine degrees yeah i remember getting a flat tire on one of those rides <laughs> and having to call someone I, I, my fingers were frozen couldn't even change that tire um who you know 100 plus degrees that plus humidity right while fasting and you know, so it's been both extremes yeah. to like downpour, to snow, to, you know, we, we've seen all the different things and that's kind of what shows, you know, your passion for cycling. It's, it's a different type of sport, right? It so is, when yeah. you look at the pros, for instance, you know, like it's one of those things where wherever in the world that you live, you know, you have all these different tours coming through depending on the area you live in. Right, right? exactly. So if you're in like France or if you're in like, you know, LA, like, Cycling is the only sport that, um, you know, you look down from your patio or look up from your driveway and it's, it, it just passes through. So it is, yeah. one of those sports, it gets under your skin and, and it doesn't leave. And so, um, you know, for us, it's been, um, you know, it's, it's contagious, you know? <laughs> and Yeah. Cycling is, cycling is contagious for sure. So what, what I wanted to talk about, you know, today was, um, your expertise and work, you know, where, where you come from and what you've been providing as a service to the different companies that you worked at and what can people do? Cause we're in a very strange time and some of the, some of the knowledge that you have, uh, I think it's applicable to no matter what time period people would be in. So Let's go a little bit into that and then we can, you know, always come back and talk about cycling. But I think what what your unique features that is, you know, the knowledge that you've accumulated over the years as being expert in your domain. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk a little bit about Saad and, you know, how it all, you know, how what led you into picking that field? Of yeah, so I've been in the, the recruiting and HR field for the past 14 years now. Um, I'm an extrovert off the charts. And so I think uh, interacting with people, making those connections, building that rapport um, on both sides, not just with candidates, but also hiring managers, mm-hmm. um, understanding, you know, companies needs and goals to hire. Um, a lot of times it's been high tech companies software product companies with aggressive hiring goals um, that need to be achieved. And, you know, that's something I've enjoyed doing um, is helping companies meet their goals, especially when there's a mission attached to it. You know, I've worked at many different, um, you know, companies uh, and across different fields too. I've Mm -hmm. even, you know, dabbled in like on the healthcare side of recruiting before uh, recruiting nurses, OTs, PTs, um, which is huge right now. um, um, you know, the pandemic that we're in, um, you know, there's always just going to be a shortage, um, you know, within that field, as well as IT. Those are the two areas where I, I guess I've kind of ridden the coattails um, of uh, the trend where hiring is, you know, 
you're never going to be able to fill the jobs. Uh, hundreds of thousands of those jobs will go unfilled yeah. every year that are needed. So um, that, that, that's what I've been doing, um, you know, uh, throughout my career. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's something that I enjoy. I keep in touch with folks that I've recruited, you know, a decade ago and they reach out to me for my advice and expertise. Yeah. Um, you know, from a career path standpoint, um, you know, what's trending um, and, and just, you know, uh, to network, right. Um, we all know someone that can, you know, help us out. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I need help. Um, you know, other people need help. Um, so, you know, it's kind of goes to show like, you know, what you hear that is where uh, it's kind of who, you know, right. Yeah. So, you know, there's going to be hundreds of people applying to jobs. And uh, if you know that one person that can kind of, uh, you know, vouch for you, it, it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what, what are some of the advice that you can, you know, give to people? Because it is important on who you know, but I think it's also important on who knows you. Because if people know you for your expertise, for who you are, I think, and if you show up in the world, and I think a lot of that's happening on LinkedIn. And I've seen that trend climb more and more. I think when, when LinkedIn started the video platform, I think it's enabled people to showcase their values and their skills and whatnot in, in different ways and coming on on video. And, and I think a lot of times, a lot of people are introverts and it's, it's hard to come out. So what, what are some, some of the things that people can do to stand out from the crowd when they're, you know, looking for a job or, or if a, if a hiring manager is looking for somebody. So from, from each of the perspectives, you know, which one, what are some of the things that they can think about? Yeah. And so um, most people that are in, you know, the IT field that, um, you know, or if they're happy in their job, let's just put it that way. Um, they may not update their LinkedIn profile or, you know, any other profile. So they're kind of hidden, right? Yeah. So you might have joined some, some years ago and um, your profile might not be completely filled out, making it hard for recruiters and hiring managers to actually find you. Mm-hmm. You're kind of in like a hidden talent pool um, and you may not be looking, you know. Yeah. Uh, most people are passive candidates and that's what honestly – companies like, you know, um, that's what recruiters like, the more passive you are, it's, um, you know, that, that's kind of what they chase. Um, but if you are on the market and looking, um, definitely, you know, there are, um, options on LinkedIn to show that, Hey, I'm open to opportunities. What kind of jobs, um, things like that. Um, jobs will pop up that you can apply to. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of set those things up. So the platform has gotten smarter and smarter. I remember I bought stock in LinkedIn before it was purchased by Microsoft. Yeah. You know, I've been using LinkedIn, you know, since maybe like 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. that time frame when I first got into recruiting. First, yeah. And so, um, you know, it's definitely evolved um, with some of the features um, and offerings that they, they give you. And, you know, LinkedIn recruiter is the gold standard, um, for, um, you know, uh, job boards and, you know, the tool that most companies and recruiters use, um, to go out there and find talent. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think, uh, the other thing that'll kind of set you apart, it's your, um, 
it's your reputation, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we can, when you go to an interview, we can all, they can all ask questions and we can say, Hey, I have this skill set. Um, but how does someone actually know that you have a skill set, right? Um, you know, to build that reputation on there, connect with others. And, you know, the platform allows you to do that. Um, have others vouch for you and say, this person is a subject matter expert in this field. And, you know, when you have, um, overlapping connections, um, there might be something, someone at that current company or someone that they've worked with in the past and that they can go out and actually just say, Hey, um, do you know, Janae, um, tell me a little bit about him, his work ethic, um, you know, his skill set, et cetera. Should I hire him? And, um, I think that's a lot what goes on in in the background that you don't Mm. see. Um, when hiring decisions are made that's really that's really that makes a lot of sense you know um, I think the tools that are available available makes a lot of sense but then again as a recruiter you want you're looking for those hidden gems so that's really interesting I mean uh, I'm trying to think of how how to turn that around or like what's the next step? So as a as a candidate that's looking for work, would you prefer that they reach out to recruiters or apply for jobs directly through the different systems that are available? So each company is going to be a little bit different. Um, you know, I've worked at small companies, less than 100 people mm-hmm. up to companies that are, you know, a million plus people. So and everything in between. Right. And so. <laughs> Um, one company might not have any resources. They might not have an ATS or access to any job boards. Um, and the other might have three ATSs and, you know, a million dollar budget, multi-million dollar budget for tools. And I've worked at both. And, um, you know, there's usually a happy medium where, um, it's something in between. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, you know, so from that standpoint, it, it depends on that process. So some of the bigger companies, uh, the most recent company I worked for was uh, Amazon uh, Web Services. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously a huge outfit, three thousand plus recruiters there, which is wow. absolutely insane. Um, you know, that was uh, there's a process behind it, and so um, you know, when you you have a job out there, there's a certain lens that we have. I'm recruiting for one particular job. Um, and so when people reach out for other jobs, I, I don't have lens into that. And so I have to pass it off to my, um, you know, uh, you know, colleagues, which some of them I might not even know. Right. Um, so, uh, it, it, uh, having access to the systems and, uh, doing that research and looking to see who that recruiter is, who the hiring manager is and, um, passing them off. Um, and for that applying is the first step in the process to consideration where a lot of other companies I want to move quickly. I just say, send me your resume through email or however, and uh, let's just jump on the phone and chat and just get you through. And I can usually get them, you know, a phone screen, I'll screen them, get them maybe a phone screen and then on site a video conference, what have you. And then sometimes fill, fill out the application on the back end if we decide to move forward. So a lot of times it's, it's worked like that, but really depends on the companies. Um, you know, e- e- even before Amazon, I was at the white house doing a tour mm-hmm. of duty with the U S digital service and yeah. there, you know, with LinkedIn recruiter, you know, it, it was one of those things where we couldn't use it. The communication became a presidential record. And so um, oh, wow. we weren't able to use that. So 
being able to navigate and thinking outside the box um, when it comes to recruiting tools um, and how people reach out to you and how you reach out to them. And you had uh, kind of broached on uh, finding those gems. That's kind of what it was there. It was mm -hmm. you're finding those people, um, those gems. But uh, a lot of the times, um, you know, companies that I've been at, the mission brings those people in. You know, it's not like any other company. So like they're at the U.S. Digital, Digital Service, um, the, uh, uh, the mission is really what kind of, you know, got people hooked. They would move across the country and move to DC. Uh, they'd have to take a certain pay. They had to be us citizens. It was a lot of things to jump through. Um, and then we compressed the time down, uh, to, you know, actually get someone on board. So it, and plus they had to be, you know, um, very accomplished and very technical and mm. their emotional intelligence had to be off the board. So it was, it was really hard. A fraction uh, of people, you know, that, um, you know, would interview would make it. So it was one of those places that was very tough, but if you wanted to make a change for say immigration or uh, veterans or students or um, healthcare patients and really wanted to change uh, you know, these industries that are trillion dollar industries, um, that, you know, the scale of that, that, that magnitude, you know, um, uh, was just off the charts, you know, for something like say health and human services, that's, you know, uh, Medicare and Medicaid, uh, were the projects we were working on there three and a half trillion dollars, you know, that's, wow. um, you know, um, measured in GDP, you know, um, you know, it's like 4% of like, uh, the GDP. And so wow. to be able to, um, impact and influence an industry like that just coming over and every other healthcare company in the world has to follow that, uh, what CMS and, uh, uh, does, you know, that's, that's huge. That that's, um, you know, something that people are, you know, definitely, uh, you know, tied to and attached to, and, um, you know, it, it's a huge mission. So, um, wow. I think what, what I, so what I see, what I hear is, um, when you were at Amazon and being there that there were 3000 recruiters, it's almost like you were, you were looking for a very niche person. So they're, yeah. they're niching down each of their recruiters to be focused on just that one job, specific job type, so they can find the, the person who's most expert in that area. Whereas in other positions, you're more of a generalist. You're, you'll talk to anybody and, and you can basically bring in anybody based, based on your experience. Absolutely, yeah. So for instance, at AWS, I was only recruiting security folks and I mean, there's all sorts of security folks, but it was, you know, security transformation consultants in particular. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. it was just one type of role. And, um, that's what I was doing where, you know, other companies I've worked at, I've had all of it, uh, and development, you know, under me. And there's, you know, hundreds of different positions that I recruit for everything under the sun, right. From yeah. help desk up to hiring the CIO. Right. And so, um, someone reaching out and saying, this is my skill set, and I'm working for this mid-sized company that's say like 10,000 people. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of a good feeling to be able to say, yes, we have something like this. You match the skill set. Yeah. I know the hiring manager um, where, you know, um, you know, there, and there's no right or wrong. You know, there's, um, 
everyone's style is a little bit different. You know, some exactly. people um, like that bigger, you know, pond. Some people like that smaller pond. Um, you know, uh, for myself personally, I, I found the most satisfaction um, kind of in those mid-sized companies. Yes. Um, where I can still impact and change and, you know, um, uh, influence the process. But then, you know, also it's it's big enough for me to have, you know, multiple tasks and, um, you know, do a, a variety of uh, types of work and, um, you know, make those connections. So um, no, no right or wrong. Yeah. Uh, everyone um, I've had experience in all of them and, you know, it, it's, it, it's great. Um, you know, I, I, we definitely um, lean on all of our experiences and, you know, that helps us grow. And I feel like I've, I've certainly grown from every company I've had. My That's really awesome. I like that. Um, so it's been a, Pretty, I mean, 14 years in, in that space is really cool because you get to learn from all of the different and you're basically stacking on top of each other. And then you are more well-rounded than anybody else out there. You know, it's also being able to use the, the, the different systems. So that's really cool. I like that. Um, what are some... So... We talked about some of the cycling hobbies that we have, you know, um, but I want to, I'm trying to figure out where to go because the recruiting space is something that I am not, you know, I'm, I've, uh, I've not really played a whole lot into. Sure. I've hired a few people to help me with the podcast and I didn't do a whole lot of different recruiting levels because of, I didn't have a huge budget. Right. Um, but I think what's valuable, what is one of the things that's most valuable that you find when you're speaking to these candidates? Yeah. So, you know, like who makes the cut versus who doesn't make the cut? Well, you know, it, it really depends, right? So knowing your company, knowing your hiring managers, um, having hired for them before, knowing the personas of the people that our top performers on their team goes a long way. Um, you know, I, I've never reached out to, you know, the hundreds of candidates, you know, I started on the agency side of recruiting and that were, those were our metrics. It's like mm. reach out to 50 to hundred people a day. Um, you know, that ended up being like 10 hours a week of phone time. Um, I never, I was never a volume person, you know, yeah. uh, I, I would rather look at resumes and, pick out the right people as opposed to just calling every single person I looked at. Um, you know, so, you know, understanding those hiring needs and making that match, it's like being a matchmaker almost, right? If you know, um, yeah. enjoy watching those, you know, uh, millionaire matchmaker or whatever those yeah. shows are. <laughs> and essentially that's what, you know, we, we, it comes down to, you know, um, you have to understand uh, someone's need on one side and then you're finding someone on the other side and what they're looking for and making that match, um, yeah. you know, from a cultural fit, um, you know, the salary has to line up, the benefits have to line up, the commute, um, just the working styles, um, all of those things. There's so many different elements that need to be aligned in order to make a good hire. Yeah. Um, but also, um, you know, so looking at the skill sets is easy enough. Um, you know, someone's resume has these technologies, the job description has these technologies easy enough. Right. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I think with technology, since that's the space I've been in, I think, um, being 
adaptable, right? Learning a new skill because it is a given that technology is going to change tomorrow, right? There's yes. going to be something different. So that ability, that aptitude to learn and pick up new skills, you know, I, I have found that not a lot of hiring managers really, um, you know, kind of look for that or dig in. Um, I have had a few that um, have kind of said, okay, well, this person doesn't have this skill, but I am willing to take them on because I see that they've learned all of these other skills, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that, um, you know, at Amazon, it was more like learn and be curious, right? So um, going in and tinkering around, it's something that you have a passion for, and you know, on this channel for Hacks and Hobbies, yeah. you know, these are all things that we are passionate about. And so for someone who's passionate about technology, you know, just because they're a programmer in one language, you know, um, people that are, have that passion, um, it, it's a syntax difference. And so they'll go learn any language. Yeah. Um, and what it comes down to is being a problem solver, right? So um, being challenged in that regard to solving a problem, not just learning one language and then just being a programmer for one language, for instance. No, that's a really good point. So you're, you're looking at the person that they are versus all the different things that they learned, but then also their aptitude and their um, personality, because you want to, you want to also be able to have that culture match. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. Cool, man. Well, that's really intriguing. And that's really interesting to see, you know, what it is that recruiters that recruiters look for and what it is that um, really makes you stand out as somebody that's applying for the for the job, your, your hobbies and, and your passions and how you integrate those into your work, uh, work life balance kind of deal. Yeah. And there's, you know, things like, uh, like GitHub repositories where people are showing off their work and their projects and things like that. When someone has, um, you know, uh, their GitHub, you look at it and there's all different sorts of projects on there that kind of shows that this person's passionate about yeah. their field. Um, you know, when, when you see them doing like things on the side and, um, involved in meetup groups, um, mm -hmm. you know, for, you know, you know, different chapters or going to conferences, um, and being speakers at conferences and things like that, they're invested in the community. It becomes a part of, you know, um, the community. And I had alluded to, you know, reputation, um, you know, uh, earlier on. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of what helps build your reputation within that community. Um, but now you've got this network of people to, you know, reach out. If you're stuck, it doesn't have to be that thinking that just your fellow colleagues have within your same company. Now you can reach out to folks outside, um, your company within your community. Um, you know, um, for instance, like, uh, react, you know, that's a really tight knit community. Um, mm -hmm. you know, react rally, um, you know, in, uh, Salt Lake city. Um, you know, I went there a couple of times and, you yeah. know, nice, you know, tight knit, uh, you know, close community. Um, you know, PyCon, that's a huge conference for a Python user group. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, um, you go and meet people and there's a lot of, uh, you know, information that you can get out there and um showcase your knowledge and it's that's another thing that you know would help you land a job if you know people see that hey Janet is a speaker at this um you know uh user experience conference mm -hmm. or this design conference it shows that you're you know a thought leader in your field and uh that people want that knowledge yeah. within their company so 
uh, I'd say, you know, if you can go even just like volunteer and be a part of it, go, go set something up, you know, yeah. um, you don't have to necessarily be the speaker up there, but um, if it's something that you enjoy and um, you know, there's a topic that you enjoy, you know, um, I'd say get involved uh, within whatever your field is um, with no, those groups. No, that's a really excellent, excellent um, advice because People want to connect with people. They don't want to connect, you know, they want to connect with somebody who's personable. And when they show the passion, then they can count on you doing the best job possible when they bring you on to the company. So that, yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense. And that's why UX, UX users have a ton of, uh, um, what's that, what's that word? They got to have their portfolio up to, up to date so people can see what kind of work they've done and, and, I think the speaker part, I think, or being active in, in the community of their expertise is that's a really, that's a really excellent point. I think uh, I'll have to dig, <laughs> dig a little more deep, deeper into that and see where that's going to take me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, um, Saad, for, you know, your, your advice and your insights into, you know, what it takes to land a good position or a, a job in the technical space, you know, either, either it be, you know, if you're looking for a full-time or a part-time job, um, that's really awesome. So at this point, uh, I'd like to ask some questions that yeah. talk about your personality. <laughs> sure. All right. So we talked about cycling in the, in the beginning, but what is the one hobby that you wish you got into, but you didn't get a chance to? Oh man. Um, I think maybe something like skateboarding, <laughs> I want to say. I, it just seemed like something cool to do, right? And the older you get, like, I guess your bones become more brittle. You can't wipe out and yeah. take those risks anymore. And so yeah. I think anything when you're starting young, you kind of have no fear. And you go out and you learn a thing, and then you become an expert at that thing. Yeah. But, we kind of become chicken as we get older. We do. We so even with like biking, I mean, with mountain biking, I mean, I took it up, you know, I was probably in, I don't know, my, my early to mid twenties when I started mountain biking. Mm. Um, and even at that point, you know, I couldn't take all those gnarly jumps um, in those parks where, you know, these huge drops and things yeah. like that. Um, you know, you, you would just bail on that thing. And so now that that's, kind of the evolution of getting into, um, you know, road biking yeah. and now with gravel cycling, um, kind of the thing behind that is, uh, you know, your bike mountain bikes are so capable that, you know, we don't have the guts to go along with the capability to what a mountain bike can actually do. So with gravel, um, it's a little, you know, uh, tamer, but now it's, it makes the fun factor a lot higher because you've got this bike that doesn't have all that suspension, but, you're still going off road a little mm. bit, right? And so, um, that makes so much sense. Yeah, because yeah. mountain bikes are for even more gnarlier stuff that we like. Oh, we're gonna do mountain biking, but all you're doing is, like, I I was surfing YouTube and uh, actually I was looking at my own trainer video and I saw this somebody making a manual trainer. I'm like, what the hell is a manual trainer? And there's there's a term called manualing where you're riding on your rear wheel with the front wheel raised and you're going over bumps and whatnot. I'm like, 
this is really interesting. It's almost like a wheelie, but apparently mm -hmm. when you're doing a wheelie, you're still pedaling, but in the manual, you're putting the weight behind on top of the rear wheel. So then you can lift up the front wheel. So it's like, that's really interesting. So, um, you know, when you mentioned about mountain biking, they're really designed for heavy duty, like downhill mountain biking, where you taking all these jumps and you're going off over all these trails, but gravel bike is almost like road biking. It's, it's, it's almost like kind of a, a hybrid between the truth. Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. A, it's like an upgraded hybrid bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of like uh yeah, with a road bike with mountain bike tires. And so that's mm. basically what I, what I have is uh, the frame I have is open wide. So it's basically uh, a road bike frame with a, uh, you know, huge uh, opening for mountain bike tires on it. And so how, how big um, tires are, do you have on there? Uh, 2.35 inch. So there are Schwalbe are rock lasers on there, but I can switch a group set uh, or s switch my uh, wheel set and put road tires on there or some slicks. And now I can go on a group road ride, you know, That's so it's pretty a very versatile bike. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm not looking to that because uh, my brother-in-law, he's into ton of biking and you know that, and he's, he's built a, he's got like, two or three bikes right now and one bike he's showing he's got a two and a half inch tire and he also i think he also got into gravel biking because he's he's been a mountain biker for a while and he was like oh you should get some wider tires on your road bike i'm like okay let's measure and i measured the opening it's like 40 millimeters is the max opening yeah it's not yeah, yeah the road bikes are anything. lightweight and, yeah you know aerodynamic and yeah, so, um, but that's the trend. They've been, that's even crazy. road bike tires are getting wider and wider, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I know, think the, started, the largest it, that I could probably put on mine is probably a 27. Which, you know? yeah, which is which is pretty good. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, the, the average um, just keeps going up, you know? The trend went very skinny and yeah. then it's back up to, hey, the rolling resistance is actually less the higher it is. So, you know, it's not uncommon to see people with 25, 28 millimeter, even 32 mil. Um, tires. I've got a set of 42 millimeter slicks <laughs> wow. for my, my bike. Um, so it's just the most comfortable road bike, <laughs> Nice. but you can go and hit gravel if you want. I'm not jump on that, man. I'll have to see what's in the market for me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question. What did you want to be when you were a child? Man, so many things. I, I, I think, uh, the one that comes to mind is a, a, a vet. I loved animals. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'd find like a, like a bird and it was like dying or like it was dead and I'd go like bury it and try to nurse it back or, you know, find like these little animals and, you know, um, you know, try to nurse them back to health. Um, we found a turtle in our, it was a box turtle in our garage um, last week. Wow. Uh, so um, I got home from biking and I opened the garage. I, I realized I had left um, one of the garage doors open all night. Oh, wow. So I guess this turtle got in there. Um, it was a pretty big one, big turtle, but it got caught in the glue trap, you know, that like recon pest control puts in. Oh, so they, didn't, yeah. they didn't fold it properly, you know, where you would have like, a, it, it was enclosed. It was just like mm -hmm. a flat glue trap. So he was, I saw him in the middle of the garage walking around with this glue trap on him. So we just, and that stuff is tough to get off. So yeah. we, we eventually got it off. And, um, you know, um, 
<laughs> kind of did the whole thing. It just reminded me of like when I was a kid. So me and my daughter did that. Nice. Oh, you know, with a box turtle and you know. So are you like, keeping the turtle? Are you take him to what do you, where do you take him? Yeah, we kept him for a, a couple of days and then we let him go in the wild. So um, you know, it's it's one of those lessons that you know needs to be taught that you know this is a wild animal. It'll yes. be a lot happier you know, in this habitat that it's used to yeah. Um, versus, you know, <laughs> you know, we, we have a 90, we have a 90 gallon, yeah, we have a 90 gallon tank that we, I was like, let's put it in there. It's empty right now, which is another hobby I need to start up is with uh, the saltwater salt fish water. tank. Yeah. So I think I'll get back into that. I was just cleaning out the garage and I had all the, the rocks and the, uh, you know, 30 different buckets for like, you know, like the RODI water. And wow. It's just all, all, all the equipment, you know, it's just, um, you got to be a mad scientist to, to do that. And you need a lot of time and money for that thing. So, yeah. um, you know, it's tough to, you know, with the biking and the, you know, and the kids, uh, the yeah. Salt water tank. But if you work from home, it's a, it's a great hobby. It's a great so, hobby to get into. You can, you know, nice. Awesome. All right. Next question. What is your favorite movie or TV show? Oh man. Um, you know, I'd say Seinfeld is one of the shows, um, you know, that one of your, uh, my friend Ahmed, you know, you've had him on the show. He's, you know, the strongest guy on our team. He's, he just did an Everest and all that. He was really into Seinfeld. Yeah. He got me into it. And I don't think a day goes by where I can't use an example (laughs) from Seinfeld. It's just very relevant to everyday life. Um, you know, there's always an example I can use from that. So, um, you know, I'd say Seinfeld is, uh, you know, one of the shows that it's just a classic. It just, um, you know, touches on aspects that, that are, you know, uh, of life that are true today. And it's just a classic show. Absolutely. I love that show, man. It is, um, it's been, it's been a very awesome experience just watching through it because, Growing up, I didn't grow up out here, and I didn't watch it till a lot later. But I I binge watched it, and I would I would use those. I was I would always bring up those com, you know, things um, in conversation at work, and I'm like, oh my god, you're on this binge story going on. So that was a ton of fun. And now you got all these memes that you can use. So, you know, exactly. <laughs> I, I see some of those, uh, at least one every week. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Next question. What movie would you choose if you got to play a character in it? Hmm. I got to play a character in a movie. Um, let's see. Um, I would say, you know, uh, the the show as well as the, they had a movie for this. So I, I was really into that show Entourage, which is, was kind of loosely based on Mark Wahlberg's life. But then they made a movie about that as well. And so I think being an actor, um, Entourage, is yeah, Entourage. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's probably better examples, oh, but that's like an awesome one. But you know, um, oh, fun fact, actually. Um, Entourage, the movie, the opening scene starts off on this yacht. Yeah. And that yacht was Mike Saylor, you know, MicroStrategy CEO. The, the yacht was called 
uh, Usher, which is uh-huh. one of their products. So I got a chance to go on that yacht. Oh, so nice. When I was on it, I was like, okay, well, this is, you know, where all this action was taking place. Like, you got to do the line. <laughs> hopefully they, they wipe down this red couch before I'm sitting on it. But <laughs> no, that's awesome, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, I, I know a friend of mine, um, he's a beekeeper also, but he's also on the board for the DC boating club. And he's like, hey, anytime you want to go sailboating, you know, let me know. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to hit him up and you know, see if you can go on the Potomac one of these days. That'd be fun. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's great. Yeah, getting out on the water. Yeah. All right. Next question: Who is your favorite superhero? All right. I I know you're you're big into Marvel and all that, so I I, I would, you know, that the last question I was trying to think of would I put myself in a movie? And so it's a good thing that you've got this follow-up too. So superhero, um, let's see, who's got the superpowers um, that, uh, you know, I would want, uh, I, I would want to have. Um, and uh, I, I think uh, the Hulk, you know, it's just, I, I've always been into bodybuilding. Raw power, like, yeah. And so just thinking of like Lou Ferrigno playing Hulk, and, you know, <laughs> um, all that, it, it's just, um, you know, I've been watching a lot of World's Strongest Man. So oh, really? uh, okay. uh, Eddie Hall and Half Thor Bjornsson and, you know, which is the mountain, right, from uh, Game of Thrones. And so uh, all of that stuff. And so, so it's like, who doesn't want to be the World's Strongest Man? It's yeah. just uh, this testosterone driven, like, <laughs> you know, um, just being this alpha male, like it's, um, just, you know, it's a powerful feeling, you know? Um, No, absolutely. That's that's too fun. That's too fun. Our last question. If you are a board game, what would it be? Risk. (laughs) (laughs) Strategy. Uh, So yeah, just just, um, the strategy, the politics, the, uh, all of that, the negotiating behind it, um, you know, I've always enjoyed that. We've had some epic risk battles that would last all night, you know, five, six, seven hour games of risk until wow. the, the morning. And so, um, you know, it's one of those games where if you've got like, you know, a, a bunch of people that are like committed, like, you know, um, throughout college and stuff, that that was, I, I think, my favorite game. But it, also, um, you know, the strategy involved behind it, um, you know, uh, I, I, I would say, you know, risk um, would be the one that uh, I would uh, kind of associate myself with. Nice. Now, risk is a fun game. It's a fun strategy and you're essentially taking risks. And I think you've taken, I don't know if you've taken risks in life, but that is it, definitely a fun board game to play with friends and and family cool man well thank you so much for your time man where can my audience find you if they were wanted to get in touch with you and and learn more about recruiting and more about you know landing a job or or i'm not sure you know where can they they reach out to you yeah so um you know we talked about LinkedIn. If you're looking for a job, obviously that's kind of where one of the places you would go. So, um, you know, you can look me up, uh, Saad Riza. Um, currently I'm just, uh, kind of consulting for myself on the side, helping out friends and, you know, um, 
mostly like in the DevOps yeah. space, security space um, there. And so uh, I do have a few opportunities that I've been posting out there, but, you know, I might be, you know, landing somewhere else uh, for a company, you know, uh, sometime here soon. Um, cool. So, um, but yeah, I think LinkedIn is probably the place to, you know, kind of connect and um, uh, kind of understand my background and uh, that that's, um, you know, where I think a lot of my connections are as based on um, Facebook. Um, you know, I'm not as active as I should be on mm-hmm. other social media, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. Okay. I'm on there. Um, you know, I look at other people's stuff, but I never post as much on. You're the, not, you know, you're not the engaging kind. It just becomes a little sensory overload. Yeah. You know, I, it's Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. Uh, we'll be sure to Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure as always. And, uh, can't wait to uh, sample some of that honey from those bees. You've got working for you right now. <laughs> you got it. Thank you for listening to Hacks and Hobbies. You can find additional information on the guest today on their website, hacksandhobbies.com. Please feel free to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on upcoming interviews with amazing guests.